Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. What happens to axe after a fire, deer, elk, bear, birds? I, that's probably one of the most common questions I get. And I don't really know. Uh, my area of study is plants, really. But uh, I've been doing a bunch of research. They were going to talk about what happens to a northern spotted owl after a fire. going to explain a little bit about the northern spotted owl to understand how it lives before the fire so that we can better understand how it's going to live after a fire. And, uh, man, this is a divisive topic. I didn't, I should have known. We'll get into that, why it was, had so much conflicting information a little bit later. But before we get into that, Mike, how are you doing? What are you drinking? Well, I'm surprised you, uh, were caught off guard with this because you're such an avid bird watcher. And, uh, I'm doing pretty good. Drinking some Coletto Creek. What about yourself? How are you doing and what are you drinking? I am, uh, I'm getting over COVID and I was burned burned a unit today in a broadcast burns and i'm drinking some dead guy so if my voice sounds like shit well that's because it is <laughs> we're gonna keep going okay so the northern spotted owl it's a mostly nocturnal species of owl that's uh pretty much lives along the west coast it's in areas in the sierra nevadas and the cascades basically from centralish california like san francisco and above up to the edge of Washington a little bit into Canada, but most of their concentrate most of their population is concentrated in the state of Oregon, just because the two extremes are on either side. So in the middle, that's where your good habitat's going to be, climate-wise. And uh, there's for those of you who don't know, the northern spotted owl is a threatened species, so it's not endangered, but it's not common. So it's there's a lot of legislation in place to protect it. Each state's different. It's but I think it does fall under the Endangered Species Act, uh, overarching federal legislation, and then each states have their own. But we're not really getting too deep into that. Um, so first, how big is the area they live in? Now, this is a pretty contentious area because this has a lot of management implications on the ground. And the thing is, it's hard to tell because their range is pretty much, well, how far do you have to go to get food? Areas with a lot of food, they don't have to go far from home. Areas with not a lot of food, they got to venture farther to find food. Hey, everyone got to eat. Everyone's got to eat. And uh, don't worry, guys, I converted all this out of the metric system back into Imperial. No, put it back. I'll do both for you, Mike, but I won't be happy about it. So they're kind of home range, and this is where they are like 60% of the time, is, is a 2.9 kilometer radius which is 1.8 miles. That's a huge area. Like, for a radius, that's one way, two miles out, two miles back. And that's where they spend 60% of their time. So that means 40% of the time they're going to go out of that area and look. Um, and so basically they're, when you look at, I guess, the circle, it's not always a perfect circle because it's going to be defined by changes in habitat, elevation. Um, but anywhere from like a thousand acres to three thousand acres that they're going to cover uh, as their quote unquote home range. So that's that's a huge area to to cover, and this is 
problematic for them, one of the reasons they're threatened, because they need a giant amount of area. I mean, 3,000 acres is what some of the studies have said, and now I think some of these are kind of inflated because the Northern Spotted Owl basically dictates forest management for the Pacific Northwest. If science was proven to show that uh, disparate you know, multiple age classes and the northern spotted owl didn't need a certain habitat type, then it would help, it would lessen restrictions on logging. But if you can prove that logging is detrimental, then it's going to hasten restrictions. So environmentalists are going to try and provide studies that say, you know, anything that's changes in habitat is bad for the owl. The timber industry is going to put out studies that say the owl doesn't care. And they're both kind of right. Um, so I've read a lot. So some of this information, I'm, I'm going to do my best if it's something that I think it's, uh, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. So for habitat range, I, I think 3,000 acre, 3,000 square acres is a little bit on the high side. I think 1,000 acres, 1,000 square acres is probably maybe low. So maybe 1,500 acres squared as a home range seems reasonable, right? We'll split the difference. But that's still a huge number. And the problem with that is if 640 acres is one square mile, that's several ownerships. So you're looking at at least two square miles. That's And the way the West is laid out, part of that is going to be private. Part of that's going to be public, which means you're going to have, uh, whether it be houses or whether it be timber company ground, mixed with BLM or Forest Service, but it's not going to be two, a, two, two square miles of habitat that the owl needs. So what habitat does the owl need? Owls need big timber. Um, they need age trees above the age class of 125 years, pretty much, um, plus or minus depending on the coast. You know, you get faster growing trees, so age isn't really it. It's more of a size. They need dead standing trees that they can rest, uh, roost in. This is or some kind of. This is kind yep. of an odd question, but when they're in their territory, they don't. Do they migrate from it, or do they kind of just live in that two two and a half mile radius forever? Um, they will migrate if they lose a mate. They'll try and search for. They'll move out of their area to find a mate somewhere else. Gotcha. But if they have a mate, most likely they will stay in that radius until they die or lose or lose a mate. Which is why, like, when we, we have we have known nesting areas that we can monitor, and so we know that they've been there, like, uh, as, as long as I've been working here, these owls have been active, and we have surveys that go out and verify uh, any kind of bird that's going to affect our operations. So for those of you who don't know, I'm a forester for a private timber company in Oregon, so I deal with northern spotted owls and bald eagles and uh, that kind of stuff, so we... We have this, I'm not part of the survey crew that goes out and does it, but what they do is they go out there and they basically play a recording of the owls and see if they get a call back. So if you go out and play an owl call, they're going to either defend their territory or try and mate, right? So they'll let you know they're there. Fighting or fucking. We're going one way or the other. Yep. Just like most animals. <laughs> um, it's something I thought was interesting is uh, we refer to Northern Spotted Owls in the timber industry, mostly as NSOs. And then I hear the more environmental side. Uh, I don't like to use the term environmentalist because we, we want to save the earth too, but we just both have different ways of keeping the forest healthy. Uh, but they call them spotties, 
which I think is like a much more softer name, I guess. Like, you know, trying to play on the, oh, it's a cute little owl thing. And the, whereas like the timber industry is like, oh, it's an NSO and immediately conjures up like the regulations pertaining to that. This is going to sound dumb. What's NSO? Just abbreviation for Northern Spotted oh, Owl. Oh, I was for some reason, some reason thinking like it was like a government organization again because I feel like they're definitely not invading your territory. Wink, wink. Yeah, that was just something I came across listening to people talk of the different ways people refer to it. Um, so yeah, the, so the Northern Spotted Owls, they need older timber to roost in and they like a closed canopy to hunt in as well. Uh, so really like they, they really need a lot of undisturbed areas which it's hard to find anywhere because we built roads people built houses i mean the west is still wild but it's hard to find that the kind of habitat that they need so what do they eat in these closed canopies i assume mice and rats yeah pretty much rodents um unlike some of the other owls i looked at they seem to eat a lot less insects like maybe i think it's 1.3 percent of their diet was insects which is a lot less than uh other species it seemed like um but yeah mostly they eat um down in california and where they have a lot of wood rats which is basically like i don't know it's almost like a land beaver they build these they're big ass rats and they build these like huts out of sticks like you would think a human made it it's weird they're big the huts but they're uh it's like 40 to 46 percent of their diet down there and then yeah just rodents different well, rodents the reason i sorry i was looking up an image of a spot i'll because i'm not as familiar with you because i don't really have to deal with them they're pretty large birds i imagine insects is a waste of energy for them because it's not as efficient for them to eat that i imagine if they can they would eat fish or i i don't know do owls act like vultures and eat dead animals um i don't think so not that i came across it really just looks like rodents um rodents they eat bats small birds squirrels yeah insects made up for uh looks like 0.3 percent of their diet well 0.3 to 0.6 to 1.2 to the study i was looking at Um, but it seems like the barred owl which is their major competitor is uh eats more insects than them so I'm not going to get too much into it here, but one of the, the two major problems facing northern spotted owls is habitat loss and not just habitat loss through logging and fire, but also being pushed out of habitat by the barred owl, which would also be its other biggest problem. So the barred owl is an eastern owl. So anyone from kind of the Midwest, eastern part of the country, we know you guys love that owl out there. It's just like Californians, we don't want them here. Um, they're pushing out all the uh, northern spotted owls just because they are more aggressive. They'll um, they'll fuck up a northern spotted owl, and then if they don't kill it themselves, they will outcompete it and eat everything it's trying to eat. Damn. Nick, it seems like a lot of border disputes in Midwest is coming up a lot recently. Well, a lot of people are trying to leave the Midwest, <laughs> so we can't can't particularly blame the barred owl for that one <laughs> yeah so um i got some numbers here for you so prey biomass 40 percent gophers 26 percent squ- squirrels 11 percent wood rats everything else after that and uh we all know how they get those those numbers right 
dissecting the pellets, just like we did in uh, science class. Oh, man. I forgot about that. I'm having uh, some like middle school, high school flashbacks right now. Yep. Well, think about if not only you did that, but your job was basically walk around these no nest sites up to two, <laughs> up to two miles away looking for bird shit or owl poop pellets and then dissecting it. And then not only dissecting it, matching it to whatever it was. Yeah, I'm good. So I'm that, good. I don't want to do that. Fuck that. I like I like walking in the woods, but I don't want to lo- walk in the woods looking for bird shit. So um, now we'll get back into how does fire affect these animals? And fire has <laughs> a, a lot of different... What does a cooked owl taste like? <laughs> yeah. Well, probably better than a regular owl if I had to guess. <laughs> so for pretty much any species, we're going to look at how fire affects its diet and its habitat. So diet's pretty simple. Uh, I was expecting it to change drastically, maybe move more into like an insect heavy diet because insects probably come back faster than rodents. Uh, But really it only changed by like a few percentage on each. I don't think enough to quantify like a huge difference. It's not like suddenly they're switching from 40% gophers to something else. They're basically going from, you know, so I guess the biggest change, 26% squirrel to 46% squirrel. So they're eating less gopher and more squirrel. Man, you just made like the Midwestern and me there's one come p- out, go like, maybe we should bring them to the Midwest and get rid of some of the uh, groundhogs. Yeah. And well, you could do, you got your barred owls and they're way better predator than these guys. <laughs> All right, never mind. I take my word back. Yeah. So like it, but it, like wood rats, it changed from 11% previous diet post-fire diet 12 percent. so really not a huge change still just eating a lot of rodents so where it gets into i guess the uh the change is the habitat is the biggest change and it really comes down to fire severity so like if you remember from the wildfire episode we did there's kind of three kinds of fire severity your low severity, we're just going to burn kind of the forest floor, burn the leaves, the needles, dead branches on the ground. It's not going to really take out too many plants, you know, if definitely no trees. To your moderate severity, or you may have a tree loss here and there, depending on how hot the fire was. It may come up into the mid-story, but it's not going to replace your canopy. It's not going to come through and torch all your trees. Two, an extreme severity where it's just going to, everything's burned, it's black, there's no leaves on the trees, you're going to, and even within those huge severity fires, there's going to be patches that are okay. Uh, Fires don't burn evenly, Uh, they burn, it's a lot of, before I get too far into it, but there's a lot of different factors that affect how a fire behaves from the weather that day, the weather past thousand days, how wet is it, how dry is it. When was the last rain? What is on the ground? Is there a bunch of dead sticks? Is there nothing? Uh, a whole bunch of stuff. So basically, and I, I really thought this was going to be more interesting, but Norton Spotted Owl doesn't do too well with fire. With small severity fires where you have no changes to the overstory, doesn't affect it. They are going to use the burned areas and unburned areas at the same rate. They're not going to favor one or the other. When you get into moderate severity fires... They're going to favor the unburned areas, but they're only like, you know, 20% or so are actually move nesting areas will actually leave the area 
from a moderate severity fire, depend, and it really just depends on how much burned and unburned is around them inside their areas. And high severity fires they pretty much all leave. Uh, and this was kind of, there. so a long time ago, there's a study that said that high severity fires had no effect on northern spotted owls, basically because they fire happened, they went out, called for the owls, owls were there. And they're like, oh, well, they're still here. Green light, all good. Well, they didn't have enough time to move on. You know, they, there's a mourning period, I'm assuming owls have to go through, and they didn't give them enough time. Mm. Uh, what we found out is, well, when there's no canopy for them to hide in and live in and they don't they just move on uh and that's not surprising uh, extreme severity fires are oftentimes it takes a while for everything to come back not just plants so that's i mean that's kind of exactly how i would have thought it played out which is kind of a letdown i thought i was going to learn some cool things about owls but uh you know sometimes that's how the cards fall they fall like they should sometimes things just actually make sense so why is this, you might ask, why is this so uh, controversial? Well, low severity fire is shown to have little effect, and moderate severity is shown to have adverse but not terrible effect. Well, the timber industry can point to that and say, well, look, some, basically in, in the eyes of ecologists, there's different kinds of disturbance, but fire and uh, like a harvest, a clear cut, if you want to call it that, will is essentially almost viewed as like the same disturbance. You're removing an overstory is what's happening. Ecologically, it's different. You don't have that nutrient that gets put right away back in the soil through burning, but some of that goes back into the soil. But ecologically, they behave pretty similar. So it's kind of like saying, oh, well, this isn't a huge detriment. But if you look at the moderate or the huge severity fires, extreme severity fires that the northern spotted owls just get up and go, environmentalists can look at that and say, well, look, they can't tolerate this. Why would they be able to tolerate logging? Which is why I didn't want to give you any specific numbers on what percentage of owls leave. Not because I'm trying to hide anything from you, but because I don't think that it would be responsible of me because it's just, they're all over the board. And as soon as you find a paper that seems reasonable, there's another one tearing it apart. And so I kind of condensed what I thought. I mean, if you look and this is the other part of one of the big problems is how do you classify moderate severity? Different people classify it different ways. So if you want to go look at it and, and fit, try and figure it out, be my guess. But I, I looked at it and... Uh, <laughs> nope, not today. Hell no. <laughs> yeah, we could spend an, a whole hour just going back and forth. So from what I read and and uh, it helped, did help. One of the studies actually talked about a fire on ground that my company manages. So I, I can picture that fire and they put it as a uh, extreme severity fire which i would too because it was hot uh, the douglas complex um, they talked about it being primarily federally managed in late successional forests which is uh the fancy way of saying old growth it's got with an old growth which is kind of what you're looking for with northern spotted owls it's got your oldest trees then you got a mid canopy layer about like 50 to 80 feet tall. So you're kind of mid story, maybe a little bit shorter, but, and then you got your younger trees who are like anywhere from an inch to like eight, 10 feet tall. You basically have the forest being in its end of life stages. Uh, it's not really an age thing. It's more of a, there's certain characteristics that need met. Like you have to have three age groups, like I mentioned, and you have to have a certain amount per acre of, 
dead standing timber and dead down timber, and that's what they're looking for. They're not looking for an age. You know, the Norn Spotted Owls aren't going, well, I can't move into this tree because it's not 125 years, even if it meets every other criteria, which is why I think it's important to get away from this, oh, old trees is what's important. It's like, no, we can accelerate how a forest looks to make it, and we can make an 80-year-old forest simulate what you want this to be. The other thing about the that we did find with the moderate severity forest and a little bit with the high severity fires, the northern spotted owls, like we said, like older trees. Well, where are those older trees usually? Somewhere low, somewhere wet, somewhere safe from fires. You know, certain species adapted to fire, like Douglas fir and ponderosa pine, they grew really thick bark so they could live through fire. But the western red cedar said, let's just live where it's wet as shit and doesn't burn. <laughs> it's hard to like. That's it's kind of stuff on fire when it's wet. Yeah, that's kind of what the northern spotted owl did. It said, I'm just going to live where stuff doesn't burn very often. And because of that, it's not as well adapted as species that live in more fire prone areas. But they are birds. They can move. Um, and they do tend to go find other areas. So, you know, that's. They don't have any cool fire adapted adapt, fire adapted traits like some other species do, but at the end of the day, they are still birds. Flying is one really good way to avoid <laughs> fires. Well, they do have um, bird-sized brains as well. Yeah. Well, they did. You know, you lose your house, but you know, it's not like you're a tree. Trees can't move out of the ways of fire. That's why they adapt to live through fires. Owls can get around. <laughs> um, so one of the things that the takeaways from my research is, uh, yeah, you know, fire has been around the Pacific Northwest for 11,000 years at least is what our records go back to. Uh, obviously, anyone who's watching the news seeing we have a lot more quote unquote mega fires. Uh, we're having longer, drier summers. We're having larger fires, larger acreage. Um, it shouldn't be too much of a surprise. And uh, because of that, we're having larger or I guess well, obviously larger, but more extreme severity fires, which is detrimental to northern spotted owl. We're <laughs> we're burning more than any, than anyone could reasonably log if we wanted to. Uh, it's, it seems like these days. I mean, we got away with twenty eight thousand acres burned a year ago, and we were like, "This is a good year." We don't cut twenty eight thousand acres on uh, our normal rotation, so this is we're losing land. To fire is faster than logging is, or, you know, the people who are huge proponents of Northern Spotted Owl are really against the timber industry because of habitat destruction. But I think we have a way bigger threat uh, with these larger fires. And like I said, we can use forestry to advance these stages. Um, so like you can, if you have a stand that should be quote unquote ready for harvest 80 years or so, it's got relatively tall trees if you come in and thin that out and then you plant like a supplemental plant a bunch of cedars or something and then in another 20 years which is a short time when you're talking about trees plant some more understory trees and then you can come in and you can even knock out just coal like a kill a few trees here and there to create dead standing timber i mean you can be at an old, old growth forest criteria before you get there to that age class so not you know not forest management isn't just about cutting down trees it's getting to your <laughs> required objective and uh so we you know if we do more of that then maybe we 
increase habitat. I mean, right now, if you look at the National Forest, the Forest Service's plan, it's all about basically just doing thinnings to create a more fire-proof forest um, for pretty much every species. But I don't know. Get, let's get a little creative with it, I think. I mean, yeah. I mean, not always the one answer is a solve all answer. Sometimes it's a multiple stage, multiple step, multiple avenue answer to solve a problem. Yeah. And uh, like right now, basically a half mile is protected from spotted owls is limited stuff you can do in there, especially during their mating season. Uh, but they have a 70 acre core area that you can't log. And I do agree that that's 70 acres is a, that's not a lot compared to, you know, uh, almost a thousand five hundred acres that there is their home range, but w- humans have to exist on the environment too. I mean, anywhere there's an owl, how do we deal with that? You know, we can't have a protected area of almost two miles from these things. We're gonna we'd have highways. We have uh, it's just it's it seems like it, it's it's going to be difficult in any way for humans and northern spotted owls to coexist. And, and preserve all their habitat. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Just think Just think about 1.8 miles either direction. So that's a four-mile circle. Well, what first comes to mind is a joke of, hey, if you want to give me 70 acres, I won't say no. Uh, the second being a lot in the Northwest region from doing this podcast and being with you is how, for lack of better terms, checkerboard the Northwest region is between private land and government land. To me, it might make sense to solidify all the public land in one place so it's like a giant national park and all the private land so that way it's not you know private public private public private public so it might give it a better chance for the owls to have a large range of territory without much disturbance yeah i mean that's definitely you know you want to try and consolidate that federal ground because there is no money in trying to create uh, a late secessional forest you're prolonging your harvest schedule if you're managed if you're if you need to make money to stay in business it doesn't make sense to do that now the federal government is the their their forests are not for making money they used to be uh but right now they're kind of for recreation and, and habitat and this is like a great habitat that you'd think they'd be willing to kind of do something like this to you know you got you know some of these owls live for a long time you got owls that they put it were protected in like the 70s and i think it's a different or the 80s but it's been monitored up through then and it might be a different owl but that nest site is still active so if you have a nest that's been used for that long you know maybe do a parcel trade and you get this acre you know this mile here we'll take that mile here and and promote the protection of that that owl or at least that nest site, it's going to be used by different owls. So I think that's a, a great idea of, because it's, it, we can, you know, thin trees out, we can do cert, certain things. Uh, we can't really make them grow that much faster. We can get them, you know, with good forestry, you can get them maybe 20 years ahead. You know, you can have what they're looking for at 80, I, I imagine, uh, 80 to 90, but it's not going to be uh, exactly, exactly what you're looking for. Uh, only time can do that. Or, or just saying, animal experimentation, CRISPR, we make super spotted owls. <laughs> so the the barred owls, which are moving in on northern spotted owls, they do hybridize, but not at like a high volume. 
because you'd think that that's almost like a solution, right? With we're gonna get the the let's be a good predator piece from the barred owls and the you know characteristic of the northern spotted owl, and maybe maybe they'd stand a chance. Well, that's all I had on Northern Spotted Owl, unless you had anything, Mike. No, I'm, I'm working really hard in my brain for a, uh, for a bird joke, but I guess my brain's about the size of a bird right now, so I, I, can't, I can't come up with anything. Yeah, you're still thinking about all those good times dissecting uh, owl poop. If I <laughs> well, let us know if you have any solutions for our uh, Northern Spotted Owl problem, or not problem, but if you have any cool pictures especially after a fire because i i really do want to know from my own personal knowledge of where do, where do these animals go because that's i get asked that all the time it's like i don't know the deer the deer and elk come back pretty quick but songbirds too but i never see owls i mean they're nocturnal so <laughs> beats me Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.